Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. So, you know, uh, when I first met Brock, he, when, he's, I, you know, I wanted to know his story. And uh, he, you know, you probably know this story, but uh, the story begins that he and his family, when he was a teenager here in Oklahoma City, got exposed to what he would call vineyard worship. And as I remember the story, they would go to their Baptist-style church. I don't remember if it was actually called Baptist or not, but it was their church here in the morning. And then at night, his family would gather in the living room, and they'd turn off all the lights and pull down all the curtains so nobody would see what they were really doing. <laughs> and, they, and they'd put on the the CD or the, or the cassette tape with the worship and they'd worship together in their living room and raise their hands to heaven and experience the presence of Jesus. Is that basically ac- accurate? And it was in that context that, God, that Brock first experienced the overwhelming power of the Spirit. And, you know, when I first met the vineyard, one of the things you have to understand is, like, I grew up in church. My, my father was a Pentecostal pastor. My grandfather was a Pentecostal pastor. We went to church three times a week. You know, these days people think you're really overcommitted if you come three times a month. You know, but we went three times a week and sometimes extra. And... You know, so I, I, I've been in, in church. I, you know, had some acquaintance with the Spirit. But when I first met the vineyard, I remember being there in the worship, walking in. And it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. It was a little bit like this morning. But, you know, the, the things that, that struck me was it was so simple. It was like really... It, uh, in fact, it, it was so simple, I could go to the guitar store and buy a guitar and get a book of chords and teach myself the three chords that all the songs were in and become the first worship leader of our church that we were starting. Um, <laughs> which is actually what really happened. I actually did that. <laughs> and uh, so the songs are very simple. But it was like, um, but God was there. And there was this sense of the presence of the Lord. And it's like, I'd never seen anything quite like that before. It, it was not all flashy or even loud. Um, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, uh, in any way uh, some kind of performance it was just you know a couple of guys 
on the guitar and John Wimber on the keyboard when he was feeling like it. And, uh, and people would like fall out in the worship and people were getting healed in the worship and demons were coming out of people in the worship. Like they just like, they couldn't stand being there. So there was nothing to do, but leave those people because they weren't going to leave. And, you know, it was just like God was there. And so with that in mind, Brock tells me you guys have been working your way through the book of Acts. So I'd like to draw your attention to Acts chapter 16, verse 22. Now, what's happened is Paul and Silas have gone to Philippi and Long story short, there was a woman there who was making a lot of money for her owners. She was a slave by divination. She had an evil spirit that allowed her to reveal a certain amount of things for people. And they ran across this woman, and eventually they cast this demon out of this woman. And, of course, then she couldn't do it anymore. And her owners were quite unhappy because they couldn't make any money off of her anymore. So they stirred up an attack against them, and that's where we pick up the story. Acts 16.22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they, they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. <laughs> Probably lower, stinkier, darker, smaller. Put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I love that. They go through that, and what are they doing? They're worshiping. They're worshiping Jesus in the middle of the night. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now that's worship. And you know, the interesting thing here, and this is the first thing that I think we need to understand about true worship, is that worship is an encounter with God. It's not a concert. It's not entertainment. It's an encounter with God. 
And it's an, which is kind of an ironic thing, because in a certain sense, in worship, we're giving to God. We're expressing to God honor and praise and love. We're almost praying to God. And in the vineyard, it's always been very important that we sing to God. We're singing love songs to him. We're not singing to each other, but we're singing to God. But at the same time, when we do that, when we worship, when we turn to God, his presence comes. What does it say? Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Whenever we turn to the Lord, he always comes closer. When you're in the darkest place, when, when you're in pain, when you're in chains in the inner cell, if you turn to him, he will be with you. He will be with you. It's the presence of God we seek. So when I come in on a Sunday morning, honestly, I don't care if they hit the notes or not. You understand what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes they get a chance to kind of you know, give the worship team a little pep talk. And it's sort of like, okay, you rehearsed, you're done rehearsing. Now I'd like you to forget the music and let's find God together. Okay, and they do a pretty good job. They, manage, they usually manage to hit the notes, but I don't really care about the notes. It's God I'm after. You know, it's God I'm after. I want to see the presence of God coming in the thing, in the meeting. Now, sometimes, you know, we... We get a stint in the wilderness. Okay, this is part of our walk with God. We go to the wilderness and we don't sense the presence of God. It doesn't mean he's not there. But we don't sense the presence in the wilderness. But, and so then in those times, we, we practice what might be called the sacrifice of praise, where you're giving God praise without really getting anything back. And that's, that's important. And that's part of our life. But most of the time, in normal time, when we turn to God, he shows up and he comes back and he comes close to us. So that's why we sing to God, not to each other. And you know, over the 45 years that we were leading, we had to put Kleenex boxes all over the church. Why did we put Kleenex boxes all over the church? Because people would walk in and we'd like be halfway or you know, through the first stanza, and people would be sobbing all over the room. People would be crying. So, like, he had to have Kleenex boxes handy because, you know, and, and I remember it was a pretty typical story when we'd finally meet up with people and get them, they'd say, yeah, for the first three months I cried every Sunday. I remember one time this Jewish woman came. She had never been in a church before, and she's crying. Through the whole thing in the back of the room. And so I went up and I met her and I thought, like, wanted to make sure, like, she wasn't offended or something, you know, like, what's going on? And I said, why are you crying? She says, I don't know. Are you sad? No. <laughs> you know, and I finally realized it was, it was the tears of lost souls finding home. Because our home is the presence of God. That's why we cry. 
because we come in and there's this sense of his presence and we cry. It melts our heart because something inside of us knows this is our home that we've been away from a long time. Yeah? So worship is an encounter with God, and that's what we expect in the vineyard. I, I remember one time, you know, uh, there was this Presbyterian church near us, and they're a really good Presbyterian church. They were solid people. They loved the Lord. They loved the Bible, but they wanted what was happening at the vineyard. They said, we want what's going on in your worship. You know, they actually came and said, we want your worship. So he says, okay, you know, Here's the, here's the songs, here's the chords, here's, here it is, you know, take everything, you know. So they took it, and they came back a couple of months later, and they said, why doesn't it work for us the way it works for you? Like the, <laughs> and the answer was, because it's not the music, actually. It's not the music. It's what we are looking for. It's the expectation that the people are coming into the room with. If you seek, you will find. And what was different was we actually believed and looked for that God would come and people's lives would be changed and people would be healed and people would be set free and they weren't used to thinking that way about what was going on. That's why it was different. Do you understand? So that's what we're doing here. When you walk in here, you're, you're coming into the, well, kind of God's fire pit where just about anything could happen. You know, you're, you're in here with the lion and, and, you're, and people are going to get healed and people are going to get set free and people are going to be empowered. But also, people are going to get called, and people, you know, you know, God's going to kind of stir things up in some of them. They may end up going to some places they never thought they would go to. That's the nature of it, right? Because God is here. You know, the second thing here is interesting. Worship is a group activity in which the Spirit can lead. They're doing this together, Paul and Silas. They're singing together. And it's interesting, the other prisoners are so captivated by this thing that they're all listening. And when the earthquake comes and the jail is opened, nobody leaves. Can you believe that? Like, you know, I mean, you can kind of understand maybe why Paul and Silas didn't leave. But none of the prisoners left. They didn't move. Because something other than chains was holding them. Something other than chains was holding them. What was it? Well, it was God. They, they were actually being pulled into the thing. It's a group thing. Um, and so, you know, when we come together to worship, it's meant to be something that we all do together, that we participate. And I love the way... As far as I can tell, nearly everybody here was really participating this morning. Like, we all respond in slightly different ways, but we're like, it's not about what's happening up here, but about what's happening out here, right? And, you're, and we're all participating. We're all doing this together. This is why it's important for us to be physically present. 
you know, like, I'll tell you an honest confession, you know. Like, I really tried hard to do online worship in the beginning of the lockdown. Now, in Chicago, we were locked down a lot longer than you were in Oklahoma. Because, you know, we're like a blue state. Whatever. We don't have too many cowboys. And... uh, so we were locked down a long time. I really tried to do online worship, you know. So I put my earbuds in, and I'm singing along with the worship team. But the bottom line is it's me singing in my room by myself. And it was miserable. And it was miserable because it was nothing like this. And I tried for a month, and I couldn't do it. So then I just, I finally stopped singing because singing to yourself is like, Particularly, you know, if you don't have a great voice, isn't that great? It's sort of like, okay. And so then I'm just listening. And then finally I thought, like, this isn't working very well either. I might as well listen to my playlist because at least then I'm getting the songs I like. (laughs) Finally, honest to God, and I was the pastor of the church. I, didn't, I just didn't turn on the service until they got to the sermon. Because I just couldn't do the worship that way. I, just, I couldn't make it work because you guys weren't there. You know, my people weren't there with me. We can't do this by ourselves. We've got to do it together. That's, why we, that's one of the biggest reasons why coming together as a people of God is so important because we... This is this thing we have to do together. And uh, it's when the God's people are gathered into his presence together in Jesus' name, that's when he says he'll be there. You know, it, it, there's something psychologically, they've done some studies, and literally something happens in your brain when you're singing with other people and you can hear their voices. That's very powerful. There's something about this group thing that actually happens. Now, for us to do that, the songs have to be singable. Now, my favorite kind of music is old-style black gospel songs. And, uh, I mean which is kind of a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, but over the course of my life, I found that there was, I got a lot out of the songs that are birthed in suffering. And, uh, but, you know, some of them aren't very singable. <laughs> like, you got to, like, you got to be like an opera star to sing it. Gospel music's actually really hard. <laughs> it's uh, hard to play and not always that easy to sing. So it has to be singable. And the interesting thing about the vineyard worship, my vineyard worship experience has been that the songs are like not hard. They're really simple. They're not, they're not that difficult. And, and we can all sing them together. And that's part of the power of it. You know, like we, we can, you know, when, we've got, when we're walking by ourselves and we got to put on our playlist, then we can listen to the other stuff, you know, and the people who have amazing voices and can do all the hard stuff. But when we're together... We want everybody to be a part of it. Um, and then the next thing is just that the spirit is moving. 
in the worship. Now, a lot of times, people think that what happens is that uh, we have a worship time with God, and then we have the sermon, and then the spirit time comes at the end. When we, when we call it the ministry time and we pray for each other. But actually, the beginning of the spirit time is before the beginning of everything and should carry through every part. It should be that he is infusing the worship, the singing, the preaching. Each part is infused by the Spirit of God and could be directed, interrupted by the Spirit of God in various ways. And I have seen some pretty amazing interruptions and things that have happened. You know, uh, back in the 90s, you know, we had this thing called the Toronto Outpouring, which was only because they publicized it the most. But it was just a worldwide outpouring of the Spirit. And things sometimes got a little crazy on Sunday morning. Um, so we started a renewal service on Sunday night to get some of the craziness out of Sunday morning so people could actually bring their friends And there was this one guy in our church, he was a seminary student named Paul, big, tall guy. And Paul was a rock. Like, you know, it, it, this is a time when, like, you know, in a lot of meetings, you know, 70, 80% of the people end up on the floor. Like, so many people getting laid out and doing all kinds of shaking and crying and this and that with God. But never Paul. We prayed for Paul up one side and down the other. We coached Paul. We tried to talk to him about how to receive from God. Paul desperately wanted to receive from God, but nothing ever seemed to happen to Paul. So one Sunday, there's a couple, and their mother-in-law came to visit. And they were a little worried. We're going to bring our mother to church with us. We hope that it's not too crazy. And so their agreement with each other is we're going to sit behind Paul because nothing ever happens to Paul. <laughs> we're going to sit behind Paul. Nothing ever happens to Paul. And we'll be safe. Now at that point, I think God leaned over to the angels and said, watch this. Because that Sunday... We're having worship, and it's an okay worship, but not over the top. Nothing's happening to anybody except Paul. He gets blasted by the Holy Spirit right in front of them. He's fallen down, and he's laughing hysterically, rolling and laughing. And somehow he gets out into the aisle. I don't know how he got. He got all the way out to the aisle. And he's rolling up and down the aisle, laughing. Back and forth, right in front of their mother-in-law. For the whole rest of the service. They thought they were safe. You see, worship releases God's power for healing and freedom. And that's what happened here with Paul and Silas. It released power. 
When they worshipped, then the power came. And when the power came, people got set free. As we enter in to this kind of worship that I'm talking about here now, where the presence of God is there, people will walk into this room and they will be set free. I know one, one vineyard pastor, the first time he walked into one of those meetings like this, before he was a vineyard pastor, he literally walked through the door, got hit with the power of God, and he's lying in front of the back door the whole rest of the service while God sends him power and calls him into ministry. He couldn't, he just barely got into the room and God got him. And I'm telling you, this fire thing that I talked to you about at the end, you will see many set free in this room as you come together and worship God. There will be freedom. There was a night Four years ago, Brock was there, Wallace was there. We had a national conference for the vineyard in Denver. And uh, one night in the worship, it was so, it was incredibly powerful, very powerful worship. The presence of God was so heavy, you could hardly breathe. And all of a sudden, the guy that was leading the worship stopped leading the worship and began, I think he sang like a prophetic word over the group. And I looked up, and there literally was a cloud in the room at the top of the ceiling, about six feet deep. Most people weren't looking up because so, they had their faces on the floor. Um, so they didn't know. They missed the cloud. But I remember there was one guy there um, who went down to the front, was kneeling at the front, and he had suffered with um, warts on the soles of his feet for years that were super painful, and nothing they could try was getting rid of, the, of these warts on his feet. And so he's down at the front. He's kneeling before the Lord. He felt like the Lord said, take your shoes off, you know, take your shoes off in the presence of God. So he did, and he's worshiping the Lord, and when he got up, they were all gone. He was completely healed. In the worship. Nobody prayed for him. Nobody touched him. He was completely healed. Worship releases God's power for healing and freedom. And lastly, worship opens the door to faith. How does it end? The jailer says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? All of a sudden, he doesn't care anymore about his jailer reputation or what's going to happen to his job or anything else. He just wants to know, what must I do to be saved? How do I get in on this? You know, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. And as the secrets of their heart are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. God is really among you. 
few, about 10 years ago, uh, our youth pastor, who had three daughters, one of his daughters had a birthday, and the birthday happened to land on a Saturday. She wanted to have our birthday party on a Saturday and have a sleepover with all her friends, all her girlfriends. So they had the sleepover, and, and they sent a note out to all the parents of these girls saying, you know, well, after the sleepover on Saturday night, it's Sunday morning, and we go to church on Sunday morning. So if you have to pick your daughter up by 9 o'clock in the morning, or alternatively, we can take your daughter with us to church, and you can pick your daughter up at noon. Well, a couple of the people thought, what could go wrong? Let's go with noon. So they didn't, they didn't want to get out of bed, so they said, well, yeah, I'll take her to church. So one of these girls, she's from a family that had not been inside the doors of a church in like 20 years. She herself had never been in a church. She comes along, and she, she felt something, and she liked it. So she says, can I come back next week? And of course you can. So she comes back the next week and the next week. And after about three or four weeks, she goes home and she tells her dad, Dad, you know, I think I'm starting to believe all this stuff about Jesus. Now, at that point, dad got very concerned because this was not, he was not expecting something like this. And he thought, I better check this out and make sure it's not a cult. So the next Sunday, dad shows up. And I met him that Sunday as it happened. And he's there. And I come up at the end of the service and I, he introduces himself and he tells me why he's there. I'm here to check you guys out because my daughter started coming here. And then he squints his eyes and he looks at me and he says, I don't know what's going on in this place, but there's something powerful going on here and I'm going to find out what it is. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you sure are. <laughs> so now dad's coming every week. So a couple of weeks later, one Sunday, you know, we get to the end. Most people run out to get the coffee and the donuts at the end of the service, but there's a few people still left at the front praying. And there's, they're praying for this one person, and this person's trembling just a little bit. Not anything that we would probably consider all that dramatic. They're just, they're just kind of little of this kind of action, kind of just a little bit of trembling, and he's back there watching. So I go back there, and I stand next to him, and he says, what's going on up there? Why is that person trembling like that? I said, well, I think they're praying for that person to be healed. There's probably some healing power going through their body, and it makes them tremble a little bit like that. Oh, I said, why don't we get a little closer? You know, you can, you can see more clearly what's going on. What do you think of that? So he says, okay. So we walk up, and we're like now about 10 feet away. We walk you know, almost up to the front. And we just stand there looking, and his hand starts shaking. Well, I see it. I'm watching his hand shake. And I will let it go for a little bit. And then I say, what's happening? My hand is shaking. <laughs> and I can't stop it. Why is my hand shaking? What's going on here? I said, well, maybe God's putting healing power in your hand so you can help this person get healed. I thought, he says, oh, 
oh, okay. And I says, why don't we touch them? Let's, let's go up and touch that person. So he comes up, puts his hand. Now his whole body's shaking. Long story short, you know, he, he ends up coming to the Lord, gets filled, becomes, gets on the prayer team. He's praying for everybody he can find. Goes off and helps one of our church plants. He found out what was powerful in this place. That is what we're all about, yeah? That's what we're looking for. So with that in mind, I thought you can't talk about worship without returning to worship. So before I do anything else, let's just go back to worship. Only this time, let's go back with full expectation for what God might do. Fair enough? All right, let's go.